Andrew, let's talk about the academy now. Uh, we talk about uh, how you wanted to promote uh, or give opportunities to people who have that little gift in them for tailoring, for stitching. Uh, what are the specific objectives of the Civil Row Academy and how do you, you know, plan on developing the values of bespoke tailoring? That's a very interesting question, developing the values and the future of Savile Row Academy. The future of Savile Row Academy, I think, is to become international. Currently, We've just changed the name to Savile Row Bespoke Academy because I want it to be totally foco focused on bespoke. Okay. Um, and the opportunities to share that knowledge abroad, uh, this year, not this year, but next year, I'll be going out to Malaysia and I'll be sharing my knowledge and experience and doing master classes mm -hmm. for the Asian Master Tailors Association. I think there are 23 countries that are members. And okay. so I'm going out there teaching and doing workshops for the master tailors that's coming into Malaysia next year. And I'm also advisor at the World Federation of Master Tailors. I've taught in Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. I've taught here in Trinidad, where I am currently. Mm -hmm. I've done a three-year course teaching the skills of a master tailor here in Trinidad. I've spent time in Mumbai with the representatives of 39 companies teaching them the the skills of cutting and fitting. Mm -hmm. At the Savile Row Academy in London, we've taught students in, from 15 countries, and currently we have students from five countries. So basically, my objective is to share the knowledge and experience internationally of what the values are in becoming a master tailor. Mm -hmm. And by sharing that value, it becomes that everyone becomes not just the master tailor in description by the position they hold in a company, but they are genuinely master tailors. And master tailor is the person who designs the garment, who cuts the pattern, drafts the pattern, cuts the cloth, mm -hmm. fit the garment, and can make it. All five disciplines, all the modules, and then who can diagnose the problems, and provide a remedy and create a master template of a person's figure. And those five plus three, eight modules is what I teach at the Savile Row Academy because I want to teach persons to become a master tailor. They may not want to practice as a master huh. tailor. Huh. They may just want to run a business. But if you have the knowledge and the experience of a master tailor, Mm. You can then train others, you can share that knowledge, you can actually advise and direct the persons or the people that work for you, mm. you can also uh, work for someone else, you can start your own business or you can start a collection for another company and then continue doing your own business on the side. Sure. You know, the idea of being multi-skilled to provide holistic training for me, that is, those are the kind of trainings I want to turn out at the mm -hmm. Savile Robis Academy. Not those who can learn to make trousers and then they can work for the rest of their life until they retire and they get bald and they get gray. Mm -hmm. And then that's all they do for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. Or even to learn to make jackets 
or even learn to just do cutting and do nothing else. For me, it's providing them with the skills that are comprehensive, that can take them out into the world and grow. And that is what I have done. That is what I have focused in my own career. And I still sit and sew, even though I could be with the president of a country or the prime minister of a country or with a Hollywood star or, or a royal person this evening or tonight or tomorrow or even be invited by them to, to attend a, a social function. Mm -hmm. But I'll be sitting and sewing during the day uh, because that's what I enjoy doing. For yeah, me, yeah. being a sartorial artist is sculpting cloth around the body that you can take that piece of art and portray it out to the rest of the world. Right. So I can see that you're extremely passionate. Do you expect the same kind of passion from the students who come to you, um, the people who enroll in the academy? What kind of backgrounds or experiences do they bring to the program? That is so interesting you should ask me that question because they have to have just one thing. And what is that? Enthusiasm. Okay. Enthusiasm. If you are emotionally connected to what you do, you will become very good at it. If you can, and I say emotionally connected, a lot of people say find something you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. But for me, what I do is my hobby. You know, yeah. I am so emotionally connected to what I do, it's a hobby. So some would describe work as the enemy. Mm. For me, work is pleasure. Yes. And it gives me a fantastic lifestyle. It gives me an opportunity to travel and to be everywhere. It's given me infinitely much more than I ever set out to achieve at the very beginning. And so the, I think that you don't have to have anything except that you really want to passionately, you know, want to get up the following morning and continue doing what you've been doing the day before right. and have that enthusiasm to go. And, and that's what I am. I'm 71 years plus age and I still feel that enthusiasm. I still feel young at heart. I still feel excited about what I do. And for me, creating what I do is just taking, you know, what we do is we take something that's essentially flat, a piece of cloth, mm -hmm. and create a three-dimensional form to look right. smooth, to be comfortable, to be stylish, you know, for someone to go out there and wear that whatever piece of artistry that we make and be successful in their own environment because they are feeling mentally, psychologically, they're feeling tall and they're feeling successful. You know, they give them that feeling of confidence and that's what I try to portray and to actually instill in students way of thinking. So for me, I would say to them that learning something new is, should be exciting and it should not be a chore, it should be, not be a challenge. But mm. discovering something new is what learning is all about. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to just go on talking to you and understanding, but you know, I have to ask you certain questions because I want to uh, make sure that I get all the answers in this fun podcast. So what is the what was the first time you met a celebrity? Who was it um, that you designed clothes for? And uh, I know you don't want to disclose all your clients, but uh, we'd love to hear about your experience with uh, any one particular celebrity, if you are allowed to. 
uh, because you know it's like the photographer the photographer tells you to stand in a particular way and you stand like that because you know they are going to make you look good so does that happen with you as well well to some extent very i get asked this question a lot because people look at my success they look at those who actually come to me and uh wh- how come they made a decision to to come yeah. to see me because i don't mm-hmm. i don't advertise what i do i don't do any paid promos or any such thing right you know people hear about me i get referred and so on yes and but i i get asked that question a lot and i often say if i was a surgeon you wouldn't ask me who my patients are <laughs> <laughs> but um there are you know the first person i met of any note was actually an actor his name was because he passed away a couple of years ago his name was charles gray mm-hmm. he played blofeld in the james bond movie Ah. and he in diamonds are forever he was blofeld and uh he was at one time he was the only person who has been in more than one bond films except james bond himself oh okay and i think he was called henderson in from russia with love another bond movie charles gray been very good um i've made him many many suits for all of his movies and for he did a lot of tv advertisements i made for the advertisements tv series i always made a lot for him um another well known actor was gordon jackson i made for mm-hmm. gordon jackson but the first person is how i felt and i felt i actually trembled was mm-hmm. a woman called an actress called susan george susan george was reputed to be the girlfriend of prince charles at the time Uh-huh. and now king charles and uh when she first came in to see me and sat sat in my studio i literally trembled i just didn't know how to handle it because <laughs> this very very famous actress who is actually dating prince charles mm-hmm. getting a lot of media coverage and she's sitting with me you know mm-hmm. that was quite something and then i had um these are not names that you know of these are not, you know you've heard of princess diana you've heard of uh, yeah. samuel L. jackson you've heard of all of those famous names you heard of uh, probably the crown prince of abu dhabi and his son sheikh khalid mm-hmm. they are all you know customers or work customers of mine um and so those are the big names that you would hear of but the early beginnings of when i began to get you know the the really big name a hollywood big name was a guy called Tony Curtis he was like a household name that grew up in Trinidad hearing about Tony Curtis mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i never thought that Tony Curtis would hug me in in his arm take me to the set where he was filming and introduce me to everyone as his friend yeah that's why i was actually dressing him for a movie and um and to sat just sat with Tony Curtis see him on the set do his pieces what he whatever he had to do and then go back into his dressing room and do his fittings and his suits and so on you know for me tony curtis and that connection with tony curtis was probably the biggest star samuel L. jackson is like the biggest hollywood box office star in history mm-hmm. but to have samuel L. jackson coming into the studio into my studio on savile row and not sitting on the couch not say, jumping up on my cutting board and sitting there right you know. i mean what more what more says you know actions speak louder than words so mm. absolutely and that shows that kind of connection and that 
You know, I said to you that I am in a cocoon of my own life and I don't see what everybody sees from the outside and that's who these people are. Mm. To have Sam Jackson's coming and sitting on my cutting board and, have, and talking while I'm working, that's who he is, he's a real person. Right. But One you know, billions of US dollars has been, yes. you know, bought into Hollywood because of him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So one more question arises when, when this, when a celebrity comes to you for you know measurements or tailoring or whatever, this bond that you build, do you also want to understand wha what that uh, suit is going to be for, what occasion that suit is going to be for, you know, apart from you know say wedding whatever else, but do you want to know why that person wants to stitch that suit? Absolutely. My, one of my first questions is, what is your purpose? Mm. What is your purpose? Your purpose could be anything. It could be that you're doing presentations in front of a very impressive crowd. You know, there, it could be that it's for a wedding. It could be for an interview. It could be that you just want to have a nice suit in your wardrobe yeah. for, for best. There could be so many other reasons. So my I would want to know what your purpose, because what I do, I design in my mind as to what is relevant to what your purpose is. And so I would ask you a lot of questions, but in the form of a conversation. Mm -hmm. right. So you don't know as a customer that you are actually designing the suit. Right. I make you the designer of the suit. Yeah, that's very I make you a designer of the suit by the way in which I communicate to you. And in the end, I would say to you, because I have 12,000 different cloths to select. Yeah. And you may well be looking for just one piece. And if you're looking for just one piece, how do I navigate through without going into the rails and looking at all the different fabrics that we have right. and saying, this is the right one for you? It's a process of elimination. So in that conversation, I'm, I'm eliminating what's not relevant. Mm -hmm. I'm actually designing in my head what is relevant, but, but the way you respond, you are actually doing what I'm doing yes. in my mind. Yes. I'm storing it in my mind, but what you are doing is actually you are answering the questions and creating the design. That's amazing. And so that only takes, I spend more time having a conversation with a customer than I take their measurements. Taking their measurements and writing the order down and, and taking a 50% deposit. <laughs> it's all, it's the simplest it's thing, all, I guess part of the process, uh -huh. it's all part of the process, but it is taking less time to take measurements and the actual final selection only take a few minutes because I've okay. spent so much time having a conversation mm -hmm. with you mm -hmm. that you'd find that uh, it doesn't take a long, lot of time with my recommendations than deciding on the style. Well, we have our own signature style. What I did when I went to Savile Row, every address in Savile Row is a tailor. Hmm. every building on Savile Road next to each other, they're all tailors. What it is I can do as a foreigner to distinguish myself on Savile Road. Hmm. So I've taken a gentleman's suit and I've redesigned it to, to something that's so personal that when you look at the design, you know it's Andrew Rambrook or you know it's a Maurice Sedwell suit. Instantly recognizable. And that's what I did with the suit. I also, in the structure of the soft structured handcraft tailoring, I've changed all of that. And because I teach at the Savile Row Academy, and that's the, what I teach, those are the values that I teach, then you have others copying. But no Savile Row tailoring house copy my style 
because it would look like ours. <laughs> and that is very, very valuable. And so all of these things that I do on Savaro is to distinguish myself. And we've managed to do that successfully. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, Andrew, if you're okay, I have a few questions for you. You know, uh, quick questions. Sure. So, um, does it bother you when you see a not so well stitched garment? Uh, I've gone past that. Doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> all right. Um, some tips for ordinary people like me to follow? Well, I think it's to know what you feel comfortable in wearing. It's very much a psychological thing. Mm -hmm. You would see other people wearing clothes or even driving cars or, or whatever they do. It's their own style. Mm -hmm. Your style is uh, an expression of your individuality. It's yes. not what someone else wears. And this is the difference between high fashion. Right. If you go onto a designer store, it is a designer that's interpreting what you should look like rather than you deciding what you should look like mm -hmm. and how you should dress. Wonderful. Keep that in mind. Uh, what is your favorite attire? My favorite attire really is being comfortable. Mm -hmm. Whatever makes me comfortable, like I'm in a tropical environment, the sun is shining outside, and the sky is blue, it's warm, I'm wearing a linen shirt, uh, you know, that it's, it's cool and comfortable. If I was having this meeting with you and I mm -hmm. was in London, mm -hmm. currently in London, it's cold, I would probably be wearing a suit. I wear a suit every day to work. Okay. Um, but when I'm relaxed, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really pretty, pretty relaxed, relaxed in what I wear. I wear a lot of linen. Not a linen clothes, actually. Uh, who, according to you, is the most well-dressed person in the entertainment industry and the sports industry? I would say without hesitation, Professor Henry Louis Gates at Harvard University is a celebrity academic. Uh -huh. He has a television series called Finding Your Roots. Okay. He's, um, he's got another series called A Great Migration. He's got lots and lots of TV series at PBS in the United States. He's by far the best dressed television personality. And he's also writing my autobiography. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, in sport, got to be Brian Lara. Uh -huh. Brian Lara is not only exceptional, but Brian Lara is very, very well dressed. Mm. I make all Brian Lara suits. I, I have a, an ulterior motive of choosing those two gentlemen because I... I've made Brian Lara suits for many years, and uh, in, in a lot of the advertisements you see Brian in, in actually the suits that I wore. And on all the TV um, presentations, you with Professor Henry Louis Gates at Harvard, I've, I dress his suits, I make his shirts, I make his ties, and uh, yeah. And I choose the looks for the TV series as well, so I dress him for the TV series. It doesn't just have the suits made by me, I actually. Uh, planned uh, the looks for the for the TV series as well. Awesome. And uh, maybe uh, this is a little different question, but what looks best on any woman, you know, irrespective of her body type? In regard to suits, um, women have a great advantage is that they can wear color. Men tend to conform to the image that they expect it to be conform, and it's usually dark or pinstripe. Uh, but it's not color. And I think women, with an expression of... Women actually became successful of who are in the boardroom 
became successful because of their intellectual ability, hmm. not so much because of the way they dress. So they should not be trying to dress in dark suits or bi look businesslike, you know, as hmm. businesslike. Hmm. No, I think women should wear color and wear the colors that they feel comfortable in That's and right. well-cut suits, suits that actually fit them. Women yeah. has had a very, very bad deal in the ready-to-wear industry. They've got suits <laughs> that are ready to wear, but not really fit them very well. Really, yeah, true, very true. Well, uh, Andrew, I can go on and on, but I think we need to stop here. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us. I really look forward to that autobiography, and uh, I hope you remember me when it is out. Of course, I shall remember. Thank you very much for asking me, and I should say, Dhanyavar. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I loved talking to you. Thank you. As we embrace the artistry of Andrew Ramroop OBE, let us recognize that the garments he creates, the lives he touches, not only adorns bodies, but empowers souls, embodying the timeless truth that, indeed, the right attire can shape not just an appearance, but a destiny. <laughs>